The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Uh, we just meditated uh, for a few moments on that beautiful carol, one of my favorites, O Holy Night, on this Christmas Eve. And I'd just like for just a few minutes to talk with you about the thrill of hope. Well, uh, I, I think about this year, and really the truth is about the last two years, and weary is a pretty good word, isn't it, to describe our world tonight. Weary means we are tired. Weary is resistance to experiencing anything more of it. I've had enough. I, I, I don't think I can take it much longer. I may have started strong. It was okay for a couple of weeks, even a couple of months. But as those months now have turned into years, maybe you're saying, I've just had enough. That's what the word weary is. And I think that describes how a lot of us feel in this world tonight. We're just weary. I'm tired of half-filled churches. I'm tired of not being able to have a full choir and orchestra for Christmas Eve. I'm tired of being in public, and maybe this has happened to you, but you suddenly realize that you need to cough, but you know you can't cough <laughs> in public. And so you're trying to restrain yourself from coughing because you know if you cough, it's like an alarm goes off like in Monsters, Inc. when the kid enters the factory. Yeah. <laughs> you discover, you discover that, man, you don't want to cough. You need to resist that cough because, my goodness, it changes everything. It's crazy. We're weary of face masks and quarantines and mandates and vaccines. We're worn out by social distancing and divisions and disagreements with people we love. Our healthcare workers, tonight we pray for them. They're weary. And to that breaking point, families are suffering and people are isolated and lonely and Maybe you're at a point tonight, you're here, or maybe you're online, but you say, I'm not sure I can take it any longer. I want you to imagine with me if you were a shepherd watching sheep in the middle of the night. Now, when Luke tells us it was night, he's talking about physical darkness, but I think there's more going on there. Luke is talking about the world. It's night. It's dark. It's talking, he's talking about being unable to see, unable to feel like you know what's going on. You're wandering, you're lost, you're, you're wondering if there's danger lurking about. It's about being tired and weary and trapped in a cycle that doesn't end. If you were a shepherd, that's what you would do the rest of your life. My son Joshua he graduated uh, just a few months ago, but he's been working at the Amazon Distribution Center down in Euclid the last few weeks, in months actually, uh, working 12-hour shifts five days a week in the middle of the night. He works from 6 p.m. to about 6 a.m. And sometimes as a dad, I just wake up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. and I'll just pray for him and his coworkers. I know that he's tired and weary. The thrill of hope, 
the weary world rejoices. From the moment sin entered into our world, it's been weary. There is a darkness that has fallen, a shadow that has come. Sometimes things seem worse when they're happening to us, but it doesn't mean that they have been happening. What is happening is something new. I, I mean, most of us grew up in the Western world in this room tonight, and sometimes we make the false assumption about the way life is supposed to be, and when it falls short of that, it feels worse. It feels like we're in trouble. It seems more significant when it's happening to you. But be reminded tonight, that doesn't mean it's new. It's happened before. C.S. Lewis wrote in a book called The Atomic Age where he talks about Christians living in the period of the atomic bomb. Now, this was in 1948. The atomic age had just begun. People are wondering, what does this mean for our lives? Well, he wrote, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why you live as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plagues visited London nearly every year. Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might have landed and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, Lewis writes, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb existed. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world that already bristled with such chances and in which death itself is not a chance at all, but a certainty. He says, this is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are going to be destroyed, he said, by the atomic bomb, let that bomb come when it comes to find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music bathing our children, playing tennis, chatting with friends over a pint and playing darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they do not need to dominate our minds. I found that interesting tonight. We had a discussion yesterday as a staff, whether we should just cancel this evening. You're aware, as I am, that COVID is on the rise and it continues to, to impact a lot of the people that we care about. And, and yet, I came across this passage and I was reminded, no, we need to worship. We need to celebrate. Now listen, C.S. Lewis was not telling people, hey, ignore the atomic bomb. He's not saying ignore a pandemic. What he was writing about is the certainty of uncertainty. 
It was true then, it's true now. Those things should not dominate our minds. As Christians tonight, something else should capture our attention. We have the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope tonight is why we've come to worship, why we had to be here. The thrill of hope is that Jesus came, and because Jesus came, we can believe all of his promises. We can put our confidence in his power, and because we know that Jesus came, we can know that Jesus is coming again. We have this hope. He came the first time, and he's going to return. And when he returns, by the way, it won't be like the first time. When he came the first time, he came as a lamb. When he comes next time, he's roaring like a lion. And when he came the first time, he came in obscurity, wrapped in rags, hidden in a manger stall. But when he comes next time, the trumpets will sound and the sky will part. When he came the first time, the world did not take note. But when he comes again, the Bible says that on that day, every eye will behold him and every knee will bow before him. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord over all. And on that day, Jesus will come and he will say, enough, enough of all of this. Enough of the pain and the sorrow and the heartache. Enough of sin. Enough of death. The thrill of hope for the weary world rejoices. I wonder, are you rejoicing tonight? Oh, holy night. There's another line in that song. He appeared and the soul felt its worth. Listen to that this evening because I suspect there's someone here that has forgotten how very valuable they are. We all know what it feels to be left out, to be forgotten. We all know that feeling of wondering if we matter at all. But Jesus answers that when he comes to this earth. You remember, he said, don't you worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself, but you have a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father. Think of the birds of the air. He takes care of them, but you are so much more valuable than they are. This evening, I want you to know if you're worried and you're lost in fear, I want you to remember that you have a heavenly father. And if you knew how much worth you have in his eyes, you would not worry. You wouldn't have to. And so this is our comfort tonight. Uneducated, uncultured, unclean shepherds heard that message. God was making a statement to the world about their value. And he said, this is good news for all the people. Does that mean us? Yeah, that means you. That means me. That no matter who you are or what you've done or what you look like or where you've come from, the thrill of Jesus is for you tonight. And so... As a believer in life and death, I believe with my whole heart that I belong to a glorious Savior. I've been bought with a price, and my body and soul belong to him. 
and he belongs to me. The thrill of hope is for the weary, and the thrill of hope is for those who feel worthless. But there's one more thing I want to remind you tonight on this holy night. You know, there's another verse. We didn't see that on the screen there this evening. But there's another beautiful line. He is born a friend to us. And then it says, he knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. To our weakness, he is no stranger. The thrill of hope is for those who are weary, for those who feel worthless, for those who are weak. He stepped down out of heaven, out of all the power and glory of that place, to enter into our place so that he might rescue you. I don't know what makes you feel weak tonight. Maybe your life is a mess. Family is not going well. Christmas kind of brings that into relief, and you see it clearly. Disrupted. There are disappointments. There are arguments. Maybe it's your finances. They haven't gone well and you feel overwhelmed. Can I just remind you of Jesus? You know, when Jesus was born, they were, he was born in Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown, and there was no place for them. Joseph's own family said, no, no, we, we can't have you here. And so he was born in a manger, in a stall. Even, even growing up, people thought, his own family said he's crazy early in his ministry. Now, some of them came along, some of them believed later, but at the beginning, they thought, not a chance. Do you know that Jesus never owned a home? He said he had no place to lay his head. He was never wealthy. And if your weakness is physical pain, and some of you You've heard the word cancer, or you know someone who is struggling with COVID. Or maybe it's chronic for you, and it's an everyday battle. I want you to remember, you have a Savior who knows that weakness. He went to the cross. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was beaten. He was crucified, nailed to a tree. He knows our weakness. But Jesus is God with us. Emmanuel. I've been following over the last few months, really, since October, when 17 missionaries in Haiti were taken captive. They were taken hostage. I don't know if you've followed the news there, but Five of them were released a few weeks back, and then just days ago, another 12 of them, including one infant and a three-year-old, made a daring escape at night. They had been held captive for weeks on end, little to no food, hot, very humid conditions, difficult to sleep. Of course, just the awareness that they didn't know if they would live or die. Every day they faced that problem. Yet this group decided to gather together daily. Why? To pray, to do devotions, to sing, and remember that God was with them in their crisis. 
So three times a day, three times a day, they would rebuke Satan and his schemes, and they shared the gospel with their captors, and they learned to trust God more. One of the newly freed missionaries reported to a church, the Lord wanted us to put our complete trust in him. It wasn't by the arm of man that we were delivered at all. It was small things and big things that the Lord did for us. At a press conference, after the missionaries were able to escape, they made it clear that they felt that God had led them. He had directed them when to escape. On two other occasions, they were going to, but someone said, no, it, the timing is not right. God's not ready for us yet to go. On the night that they left, they were all in agreement that God was speaking. God led them through the night, and after walking through the night and emerging out of a thicket of briars and brambles, they knocked on the door of a house near a highway and discovered two Christians practicing the trumpet for music on church on Sunday. And one of the men had a cell phone, and they used it to call for help. What amazed me as I read that story and as I reflected on it, these missionaries collectively made it clear that they had forgiven their captors because they had decided to whom much has been forgiven, you can forgive much. And so Showalter, the group's spokesman, says the group chose to forgive. And they said this, in their mind, the true hostages are those who took them. He said, our prayer is that the hostage takers would be transformed. We choose to extend forgiveness to them. We would love for them to become brothers in Christ. And when the press conference was over, in front of everybody, the press gathered together, the group began to sing, Nearer my God to Thee. You see, the reason they could sing in the midst of their crisis and celebrate when that crisis was over is they saw God in everything. He was there. You see, because Jesus came, we can rely on all of his promises. He came because he said he was going to. He's going to come again because he said he is going to. But I also want you to know something else he said. He said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know what that means? He's here right now. He's here among us. And he gives just enough hope. He gives just enough grace. He gives just enough, uh, enough strength for one more day. For one more day. He is the thrill of hope to the weary. He is the thrill of hope to those who wrestle with their worth. He is the thrill of hope to the weak. Listen, I'm glad you're here tonight. It's dark outside. But the light has come. And so I ask the Holy Spirit to show us the light. And for us to have the grace to follow that light with our whole hearts. Because he's here right now. He was born in a manger. But can I ask you, has he been born in you? Put your trust in Jesus and you will experience that thrill of hope.
May that be the blessing and thrill of Christmas for you. Let's pray together. Father, it is my joy to proclaim that Christ is born and that Christ will come again. It is my thrill, Lord, to know that you loved us so much that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he would live here and die here and rise again, that he would suffer and understand our weaknesses so that we, Lord, might know him might find him and might follow him for life eternal. Tonight, Lord, I just pray that if there is one person here who has not yet seen that light, or maybe they have seen it for years, but they've never decided to follow that light, that, oh God, they would say yes to the gift of salvation. They would confess that they are sinners who need a savior. And they would make the determination to follow you with everything they are. That they would experience the thrill of hope. When circumstances are difficult, when we don't understand all that is going on, Lord, we pray for the grace to hold on and trust you. There's coming a moment when all of this will be just a distant memory but you will be our all in all, our joy, our life, our hope eternal. We thank you for a hope realized because Lord, you promised us this miracle of grace. It is in your name we pray these things, amen.